0: Good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Wonderful. You now, I want to just say a big thank you. you know These past couple weeks, Jamie and I had the opportunity of watching our kids in another province. And we call it vacation, but I call it looking after kids in another province. <laughs> But I just want to say a huge thank you. you know, Pastor John took one of the Sundays, and then Julian took last week. And I know all even the worship teams and tech teams, thank you, thank you, thank you for making this. Service is what they are. We could not do this without you. We are so blessed to have such wonderful teams that just come and serve. So thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. It's truly amazing to be part of a, a, just a great family. Aren't you thankful for this family? Yes. And the rest of you? Yeah, yeah. You're thankful? You're thankful. Okay. Good. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, let's get into the Word of God this morning. We're so, man, don't you love the Word? Yeah. It's so rich. There's so much to this, and I'm, I'm excited to deliver to you what's been just the Lord put on my heart this past week as I was spending some time praying for you. And, uh, you know, over the past, these couple weeks that we've had, I mean, kind of throughout the summer months, I should say, past couple months, we've been doing a series talking about our heart and getting our heart established, getting our heart ready so that the Lord is able to do what He wants to do in our lives. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, one of the things the Lord told us, this was a year ago now, and I want to remind you of this. The reason why is I want to continually put it in front of you so that you remember what God said. And this is what he told us as a church. He said, you are to expect, you are to prepare your heart, and you are to create an environment for encounters with me. This is what he told us. And so one of the things and reasons why we're going this way is because the Lord even just told me just recently, and again, don't think of a cliche Christian saying, but this is to be a glory center. Simply meaning this is that this is a place that we said yes to God, that he's able to have complete access, not just, you know, 15%, 20%, 30%. He gets complete access to this church. The Lord wants his church back. If he's the Lord of us, then he's Lord of this church. That means he calls the shots. And so we've, as a team, we have gladly said, Lord, here's the church. What do you want to do? What direction do you want to go? And we will follow you to the best of our ability. That's the heart's desire in all that. Now, before I go on a little bit further, I want to just take another quick announcement here for a sec. You know, just for um, the worship team or tech team, if you have it on your heart to serve, to get involved, to play. If you play a musician, cowbell, probably not, but anything else. Anything along those lines. If you have that desire, and not just musically, but also from a tech, if you're like real techie, I mean, oh, that's a gift, technology. Any, any tech folk out there. Anybody that need tech help. I just, as soon as something doesn't work, I go, Javen and I just figure it out. I, I, I don't get it. It's because it's off. Oh, okay, got it. But listen, technology is a huge gift. And even everything that you see, these screens, it's not just an on-off switch. There is so much more to it, and I know we got a team down there, but if you have that on your heart, and you're saying, you're not even on your heart, we're just asking, if you, that's a gift that you have, we need you. We need that gift in operation, and this coming Thursday, September the 2nd, uh, just because we want to just share with the worship team that we have, the tech team that's already in place, about some of the changes that are taking place going into the fall, we want to let you know what's been going on, and we want to let you know the further steps. So, if this is something that's on your heart, now is the time to show up, y'all. This is a good time to use your gift and say, Lord, I'm willing. Here I am. Here's my gift that you gave me. I want to use it to bless your people. This is your time. So this Thursday at 630, right here at the church, 630 p.m. When? Thursday. Thursday. Okay, awesome. And just be there, and we will have a great time together. And over the course of this summer, as the worship and tech team, we've just met and just had time of prayer and worship together, and it's been wonderful. And so this is what we'll continue to do, but we also want to let you know a couple of the changes in the announcements that we are moving forward. You know, God's got some good things in store for us. yee I can't go higher because my pants are tight, but yee-haw. <laughs> All right. Now, back to where we were talking about getting ready. The reason why we get ready on the inside... Right in the Old Testament, you see, when God was about to show up to his people, people had to get ready externally. They had to do different things on the outside, wash their clothes, you know, not have sexual relations, different things of eating, all these things on the outside. But now in the New Testament, God does things that he wants to get us ready on the inside because my real life is not on the outside. My real life is now what's going on on the inside. Everything can you say it with me? Everything that God does is from the inside. Out, Not the outside in. God is a God working now from the inside of his people, working his way out. And what we want to do is we want to give God access to the inside so that he can fully express himself not only in us, but through us as well. And so this is what we're really looking Is what we're really meaning is, is God is so interested in our hearts. He's so interested in what's going on on the inside that he's even called you and I, Ephesians chapter 1, don't have to turn there. But Ephesians 1 actually even gives us this prayer that the eyes of our understanding or the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Why? So that we would know the hope of our calling, that we would know the power, the riches of the inheritance in the saints. That right there, if we got inside, it became revealed on the inside what he has already done for us. It changes the name of the game of Christianity. Sadly, a lot of people out there, Christian-wise, are looking for God to do something for them when, in fact, the Bible clearly tells us that God has already done everything he's going to do. So rather than you and I trying to live this life of, oh, God, I just hope, I hope, I hope this works, to now releasing what God has already done inside of us, oh, God, I just need healing, I just need healing, he's already provided you, so rather than looking from the external, look, what has he already done, and learning now to release what God has already done on the inside. That's what the name of the game, and we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him to see it. So it got kind of what we just shared even during this worship time. Rather than looking at all the external and all the bad and all the horrible things that are taking place, it's bad, but it's a distraction to take you away from what God is doing. Did you know that even though a lot of our brothers and sisters are being killed, thousands are coming to the church daily. And you know what they're learning? They're learning, hey, we're not only just we're giving our lives to them, we're learning to die for them. And in North America, we're just trying to get people to live for them we got to have a little wake-up call here, y'all. Amen. It's a good place to be. And so what we're asking God is, God, give me eyes to see. Because even though the enemy's doing things on the outside, God is doing great things, amazing things, and he needs us to see it to impart that vision. You know, all that God needs is he needs people that see. That's clearly what he's called his church, is to see and to hear what he's doing. He even said that in the book of Revelation. Over and over, every church got the same message in this way. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So that means this, that you could have ears, but they're not meant to hear. So we have to intentionally make sure our ears are one so that they hear what the Spirit of God is saying and what he's doing in these last days. So I don't know about you, but we've dedicated our ears at impact. These ears are listening ears. You're You're pointing to your heart. Yeah, my heart's got ears. My spirit man's got ears. I'm not just talking about these things. I'm talking about this. I, am, I can hear. Can you say it with me? I can hear. I can hear. I can hear. All right. Hear. Now, so again, like we've said, okay, Lord, open us real big on the inside so that we can see and understand and get a picture of what you want to do in this earth so that we can reveal it. We can speak it into existence and see the changes that God wants to bring. Now, again, going back to us, our heart is our responsibility. My heart is my responsibility. And I want you to look here, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Again, familiar verse that we've gone through quite often. But it says these words Guard your heart above all else. Above what? All else. And again, the book of Proverbs is filled with knowledge, filled with wisdom for relationships, wisdom on you know uh, legal settlements. There's wisdom in uh, finances, wisdom in you name it. It is all there. How to work with this person? How to work? How to be sexually pure? It's all in there. Proverbs gives a ton, but in this, he says above all else, guard your heart. Why? For it, it what my heart determines the course. Of my life. What determines the course of my life? My heart. My heart, your heart is worth guarding. My heart determines the course of my life. My heart has brought me to the place that I am currently right now. Why are you here this morning? Your heart brought you here. And guess what? Your heart is taking you to where you're going to go. So a lot of times we're looking at the external. Well, it's just an open door. God, just open a door over here. No, 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 no. Don't look at the external. We're focusing on the inside because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're sons of God. God operates from the inside out. But again, my heart is my responsibility. I have to make sure that my heart is willing to hear. My heart is in a place going, Lord, what do you want? Submitted to his leadership. Because again, whatever I allow into this heart, it's going to come out. And we talked about that previous weeks. I'm not going to get into that. But we've talked over the course of this time is that the heart's access points. The heart has two gates that it gets access to my heart. It's the ear gate and it's the eye gate. What am I seeing? What am I hearing? It gets access to my heart. And then not only that, what's going to reveal what's in my heart is the direction or the course of my feet. And the words that are coming out of my mouth reflects what's going on on the inside of me. It doesn't take long. You could be around people for about three or four minutes and you can find out exactly what's going on on the inside of them. Why? Because they're coming out of their mouth. What do you spend their time listening to what they're watching to? Sadly, a lot of people are so filled with the news that you squeeze them and out comes CNN, Fox News. And it's all that comes out. Why? It's because they watch it they listen to it, and you wonder why people are freaked out. Because the gates are filled with fear. The gates are filled with this outside, external knowledge that's going on. Going, oh my God, what's going to happen? I got to do this. I got to do that. Going, hold on a sec, hold on, and let's go back now. Proverbs four, verse twenty. Let's look what God is actually saying. He's saying, "My son, pay attention to what, my to my words, what I say. Turn your ear. It would say, turn it." God's not going to come and grab your head and turn it towards him. You have to turn your ear or incline your ear to what? His sayings. Oh, so that's my job. God's not going to turn off CNN for me. I'm going to turn it off. Gladly. I'm not the one that has to you know, turn off. God's not going to turn off. I have to, on purpose, turn this off and go, God, I'm going to incline my ear to what you're saying. What are you doing? And in that way, God has access to my heart. All right, let's continue on. Verse 21, he says, do not let them, his words, out of your sight, keep them within. Now, we talked about this as well, is that a guard, not only does a guard keep things out, but a guard also keeps things in. So part of what my job is now is to make sure that the peace that God gave me, I keep it in. I don't want to lose my peace. I want to hold on to my peace because the peace is what Jesus came and purchased for me. Right, Verse 22, it also says this. His words now, they are life to those who find them. Do you see he puts a little bit of a... I don't know, a boundary or a guideline along this. It's not just his words are life to everybody. His words are life to those that find them. So that means there's some search on your and my end to get into the word of God. Just like a bee goes into that flower and just fights and sucks that nectar out of it. You and I, the word of God, we got to get into this word and dig in and dive it and suck the life. Suck the nectar right out of it so that the word becomes life, not only to us, but health to all of our bodies. God doesn't just throw his pearls before swine. He doesn't just give what's precious, even though we would trample it. If you want it, go get it. You can have it. Now, let's look over here. I believe this is the next thing that we're going to be talking about. That was a quick recap of the five weeks that we did previously. But in Matthew chapter 13, I want you to turn there for a bit. And there's just some things that are stirring in my heart a little bit this morning. That Just to remind you and I, again, not only does a guard keep things out, but it's to keep things in. Another thing that we're going to be talking about is offense-free. As a believer, we've got to keep offense out. Completely, come on, say it with me, completely out. Offense in a believer? Not here. Is this going to be an offended church? Never. Never. Say it with me, never. never. And I'm going to show you why. Why I like to be offended. I know some people do. Not here, though. Not us. Other places. Not here. Look at this, Matthew chapter 13, it says this. Jesus is going to give this parable. And he says, later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. Jesus had beachside property. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Verse 2. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on shore. He told many stories in the forms of parables, such as this one. Listen. See the first word? Say it with me. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. Now, right here, I want us just to make sure that this is how the kingdom of God operates. Seeds. A lot of times we're praying and believing God for the full-blown miracle. Yes, God does miracles. God is a miracle-working God, absolutely. But the primary way that God operates is seed, time, harvest. So if you're believing God for something, what seed do you have? What have you sown From the word of God. The Bible, actually the scriptures are even told and talked to us about their seed. What you have in your lap is a bag or a book of seed. That in it, you plant it, it nurtures, it grows up. And it's able to produce a huge crop for you and I. Right? That's what God's word is. So really, you and I, we are spiritual farmers. God understand that. Now, here we go. Verse 4, he says, Now he scattered some of the seed across the field, and some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Verse 5, other seeds fell on shallow soil uh, with underlying rock. These seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Now, if you stop reading right here, don't go to verse 8. If you just stop reading, you could potentially look and say there's something wrong with the seed. I sowed the word three different times. I scattered seed on three different areas and it did not work. Didn't work. Have you ever said that before? It doesn't work. I tried that stuff. It doesn't work. Anybody ever said that? Am I the only one raising my hand? Okay, another one back there. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. Uh, it doesn't work. And then all of a sudden you got to look at verse 8 pops up and it says still other seeds. Now it's the same kind of seed, is it not? It's the exact same seed. This other seed fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60 and a hundred times as much as had been planted. And then Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear, let him hear. So now, if there's nothing wrong with the seed, where do I have to look? I'm going to have to look at the ground. Right? Is that, does that make sense? I'm going to have to take the time to actually look at the ground. If the seed works... And the Bible is even called incorruptible seed. You've been born again not of a corruptible seed, Peter tells us, but what? Of an incorruptible seed. A seed that is not, you know, um, decay cannot get near it. It will never die. It will never burn out. It will never cease. It is an incorruptible seed, meaning it will last for eternity compared to other seeds out there that will last momentarily, last for a season. God's word does not fail. So if there's nothing wrong with the seed, I have to look at the ground to which the seed is falling on. And I'm not going to go over the first one this morning. I kind of felt led to go to the second one. Talk about the, the, the ground on the, the rocky soil. But I want to look into this a little bit. Look at verse 20 now, verse 20 and 21, Matthew chapter 13. You know, right after Jesus spoke this parable, the disciples took him aside and said, Lord, we, we don't get it. Can you explain this to us? And thank God... That this is what Jesus actually said. In this parable, you can read it. He says, you have been given the keys of understanding to know the secrets of the kingdom. Uh, Are you not thankful for that? Because you can read that and go, oh, birds, stupid birds. i got to get my gun out and shoot birds when they come around my seat now. He's not talking naturally. And then not only that too, but he says, blessed are your eyes because they see. Blessed are your ears because they do hear. So you and I, say with me. I have eyes to see and I have ears to hear. Now, the kingdom of God is available to you and I. Understanding the kingdom of God. You know, being born again qualifies you now. Yes, going to heaven, born again, child of God, woo, 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 that's all good. But on top of all that, now you are qualified to understand how the kingdom operates. Just like what Jillian was saying during the offering message. You and I have been given access to understand the secrets of how this other kingdom operates, and it works on this earth, it works here. This seed works here real good. How do we know? Well, you got born again off it. Did you know that you are, you're putting your eternity, your entire existence, going to be with the Lord forever is all dependent on seed that you've heard. Yeah, that's right. You're basing it on this. You're, de- you're going, okay, God, this is what you said, that if I believe in my heart and say with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I will not perish, but have everlasting life. You're basing that off of seed, God's word. And what did you do? You heard it, you embraced it, and now the result is you are a child of God on this day today. Wonderful. Amen. Now, looking again at this, these three different types of soil, the second one in particular, verse 20, Jesus now is explaining this seed to us, explaining this soil or this heart condition of this individual, so you know, we've got to get it so we can see it so that it works. I don't want to say it's not working. I don't get it. It's not working anymore. I got to check up on the inside. And this is one of the reasons Jesus said that the word is not working in people's lives. I don't know about you, but you read that one out of four times the word worked. That's 25%. That's like some of your math mark. (laughs) Unacceptable, right? And then 75% of the time, how come it's not working? For these reasons. And this is one that we're going to get into this morning. We're still okay? Okay, now let's get into this. Verse 20. It says, now Jesus explaining it. He who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Now this is good, right? So far, so good. And I want you to get a clear picture. When he says the rocky soil, it doesn't just mean dirt and rock mixed together. It means there is a thin line of soil and then there's hard rock underneath. So there's a bit of soil to it, but then hard rock underneath. Okay, we got that picture in our head now? So now notice notice verse 20 again. He heard the word. Well done. Right? They put themselves in a place to hear the word. Is that good? Yeah. Well done. And not only that, they received it. Yeah. Woo! With what? Joy. With joy. Now listen, I've been to some different churches, I've been to many different conferences, and you hear a lot of many different things when people get excited about the message that's being preached. One of the favorite ones that I've heard, a friend of mine was always said to me this, hey, we were from the deep south, this is Arkansas area, and this lady got so excited about what, what was being preached, she stood up and said, let the wild hogs eat! Now, with a thick American accent, let the wild hogs eat, y'all. Like, just excited, passionate. Some people say, that's delicious. When I, was, when I was youth pastoring, that was one of the things we taught our kids is that when you hear something good, you yell, that's delicious. Why, Why is that so important? Because you want to receive the word. Your entire life is based off of you responding to the word. If you read again the first one, the one that went on the hard soil, the hard heart, the reason why this bird came and ate, Satan stole it immediately because there was no response to the word. They heard the word and they just stood there. That's cool. Yeah, heard that before. The Satan came immediately and stole the word. Your and my life depends on our response to the word of God. So if you get excited, that's a great thing. What happens? You've welcomed, you've heard the word, you've received the word, and joy really is just a representation that the word got in that's good. Anybody ever happened that before? Yeah. Man, I love that. Yeah, come on. Come on, preacher. Preach that again. Do that again. I love that. You are more than welcome to say, that's delicious. Come on, say it with me. That's delicious. <laughs> that's delicious. And that's the word going forth. And so, so far, we look at it and go, well done. They heard the word, received the word with joy. Man, everything should be okay. Then Jesus says in verse 21, yet. Ah. Yet, verse 21, it says, they have no root in himself, right? If you guys could go to verse 21, that'd be appreciated. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, for when tribulation, persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So what is the problem? The problem is, is they don't have deep roots. Now, I know that sounds simple right off the bat, but we got to not only, not only acknowledge what's the problem, but what isn't the problem. The problem isn't the trials. The problem isn't the problem. The problem isn't the pressure. The problem isn't the people putting the pressure or the problems on you. What's the problem? No Root. Say with me. No root. Remember, look at the, remember the picture of it again. There's a thin line of soil, and then there's hard rock underneath. It is a shallow believer. Now, again, naturally speaking, we would think somebody's shallow because, you know, they look at external things and go, oh, I don't like any of that, or they're just very shallow individuals. We, you know what I'm talking about, right? But do you know what Jesus thinks a shallow person is? Someone who is easily... I'm going to find this again in verse 21. Easily offended. A shallow believer. I'm offended. Now I've jumped ahead of myself a little bit, but let's look at this. What's the problem? They don't have deep roots. So the question is, why do they endure only for a little while? Because when the trials or tribulation, if you really look at that up, it actually just simply means this. It's troubles and it's external pressure from the outside. Or persecution. Why? Because of the word. Satan couldn't steal the word from this individual like he did the previous ground that we saw. So what does he do? He comes with a different tactic. He comes with pressure. He comes with somebody chirping about you. He comes with any kind of persecution from the exterior to get you to separate from the word that you heard. That's the whole point of it. Now look at this. Matthew thirteen twenty one in the King James Bible. Look at this, how he says it out here. He has no root in himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake, by and by, he is, he's offended. So what's the problem? No roots. Why does he only endure for a little while? Because he is offended. And so offense right here, we see right off the bat, offense is a major trap and a danger in the heart. Jesus said it like this, the word can't work in an offended heart. It won't work. It will not work an offended heart. And as we said before, Satan is doing everything he can to bring trials and tribulation to you and I, to separate you and I from the word that we heard. Especially in the culture that we're living in today, offense is all over the place. The world is going to be offended. Why? They don't know God's love. They don't have any idea about it. But for the Christian to get offended... It ought not be, and the reason why it's so important we talk about this, because the word is not working in our lives if offense is in there. We have to look at it and root it out. Okay, we're still good? Now, another way of saying it, too, like you see a lot of different translations use the word falling away, or they stumble and fall. Well, the King James, as it says, it's, it's offended. Well, just, I want you to picture two people for a sec. Two close people, maybe a husband, wife, or close friends, and they're, they're just really tight. And what happens all of a sudden? A word was said or something takes place. Something got between them. What is that? That's a fence. Something got between them. And what happens over a period of time if not dealt with? What happens to the gap? It gets wider and wider. And these people, they have a fallout. Anybody ever heard those terms before? There's a fallout that takes place. This is what offense is, and this is what Jesus is explaining to you and I. This is the warning. By Jesus actually giving us this parable, by explaining it to you and I, it is a warning. Everybody say, warning. Warning. What's the warning? Trouble's coming. Heat's coming. The sun is going to try to scorch the word. Problems are coming. Aren't we excited about that? The problems are on their way. And what is the issue? Is that the enemy will do everything he can to separate you from anything that's bringing you life. He's going to try to separate you and me. He's going to try to separate you from the church. He's going to try to separate you from godly relationships. He'll do whatever he possibly can to bring separation and distance. Because they know the word's not going to work. And the bottom line, and all that, the word is gone, no more results, no more results. And just leave Christians in this place of, well, I'm right, you know, it's not about that. It's about making sure my heart is offense free. Still good? Okay, now, since I know that the enemy's tactic is to separate, what do I do? John 15. If you just turn there for a minute, John chapter 15, I'm not going to read verses 1 through 8, but all 1 through 8, you find out that Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He says, if you remain vitally united to me, what's going to happen? You will bear fruit and even more and more and more fruit. But severed from me or a falling away from me, what's going to happen? You'll produce nothing. See, if you'll you'll drive by the street, you'll see like a branch laying on the ground. You will never see that branch just flourishing. Why? Because it's severed or it's cut off from the vine. So Jesus is saying, no matter what in this time that we are in, especially y'all, we're going to have to stay so close to him in his word, understanding what he said, so that we don't get severed from him and therefore no fruit. Offense is going to come at every possible way. So how do I guard against that? Stay close. Say with me. Stay close. Stay close, stay close, stay close. Offense will look like a thousand and one different kind of ways. But as long as I stay close to him, he's able to point it out and say, no, 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 don't go there. Don't go there. Don't take that unnecessary offense. And not only that, you want to know what's even worse? Second-hand offense. You're offended because somebody hurt one of your friends. Oh, now I tell you, why did they do that to you? And what happens? You've taken on their offense, and now what happened? Now you're living in this place of offense, and you're not even, what's going on? Why isn't this working? You're just angry and distraught. The enemy has just snatched and separated you from the word that brings life to you. And what's happening now? There you are, a branch trying to produce fruit. Well, I'm confessing and just speaking the word. And I'm trying to pop up an apple, but I just can't do it. It don't work. Oh, I was flexing really hard on that one. Now, look at this. John 15, verse 18. Again, this is the warning that Jesus gave that ties in. Why are we talking about all this? We're getting ready. We're getting ready. Say with me. Getting ready. What are we getting ready? I want to be a place where God can come in. Lord, do what you want to do in my life. God, do what you want to do through me to reach other people. He wants to. He wants to. He wants to. But if I'm just offended... God's got no access, and therefore I can't release out. He's stuck. I want to use you, but here you are offended. John 15, this is the warning. Jesus said this, remember, when the unbelieving world hates you, they hated me. So what's he saying? We haven't seen a whole lot of that yet, but it's coming in a greater degree. The world hates you. They hate the church. Well, I can't believe they want to lock the church down. You better believe they do. Why? They hate you why can't everybody just like me? That's not the case. I wish it was too, but it's just not going to work that way. They hate you. Look at this, verse 19. If If you were to give your allegiance to the world, they would love you and welcome you as one of their own. But because you won't align yourself with the values of this world, they will hate you. That's a strong word, isn't it? They will hate you. He says, I have chosen you And taking you out of the world to be mine. Verse 20. So remember what I taught you, that a servant isn't superior to his master. And since they persecuted me, remember, why did they fall away? Persecution, trials. Jesus said, they will also persecute you. And if they obey my teachings, they'll also obey yours. Verse 21. They will treat you this way because you are mine and they don't know the one who sent me. Now look at John 16, verse 1. Why did Jesus say these? Jesus said this, These things have I told you or spoken to you so that you should not be made to stumble. Other translations bring out so that you won't get offended. What's he doing? Heads up. Opportunity for offense is well on the way. Just so we're all clear. Are you ready? Sometime this week, somebody is going to give you the opportunity to be offended. What does that mean? We have to recognize for what it is. Why why, why is this coming? Why are the problems coming? Why is the persecution coming? For the word's sake. Not because of you. You're not that special. I know your mama said it, but it's not that special. The enemy is after the word, the very thing, the very source of life to you. He's trying to cut off, to sever from, so that you forgot the word that God gave you. That's the whole point of it. So if I get offended, I just put distance between me and the life-giving word that is able to put me over. I can't afford it. I can't afford to get offended. Why? Because I've lost the word. And I can't do that. The word is what sets me above. Now, again, in our world today, we celebrate offense. talking about the world. If you're not offended about something, something's wrong with you. They'll even encourage you to get offended. And if you're like, I'm just not an offended person, they'll find something. You're not offended. You should be offended that you're not offended. <laughs> they will find something for you. And here's the thing. Again, from the outside, what are people looking for? One of the big things is they're looking for affirmation on the outside to tell me that how good I am. That's why our social media platforms are I mean actually at one point, I think they even like Instagram, Facebook things, they actually took away the number of likes on there because people were getting depressed by how limited people actually cared. Wow. <laughs> so actually, like you had to go on there and say, the question was, would you like to see like count? And then you have to say yes in order to see how many people liked it. Isn't that sad? But listen, this is where our culture and generation's at. And the reason why is because they're looking for, really, this is the whole problem in all this, they're looking for identity. That's the whole issue. That's why all these things arise regularly is they're looking for something to identify with so they can fight for something. This is what I believe. This is what I stand for. So like this whole thing about the vaccine and the whole thing about the, all of this stuff is to be an identity thing for somebody. But for you and I, that's not the case. Now I want you to see this. Again, from the outside here, let me just, if they don't give the ad- affirmation, if they don't affirm you in what you believe, if they don't affirm or welcome what you believe or what you think, cancel them. Is that, is that not the case? They didn't like what you have to say? Cancel, cancel, you're canceled, I want nothing to do with you, we are done, cancel, 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 cancel. Cancel. That's why this whole cancel culture came out of. And again, it's not to not hold people accountable. It's to now really, I want you out of my life because you don't affirm what I believe. (laughs) And as really, let me just throw this out there just for fun. Again, as believers, our opinions don't matter at all. What you think, nobody cares. What matters now is what God says, and you bring out God's opinion on a matter rather than just your own there's a thousand and one different opinions out there but what really matters is the truth my truth is garbage there's no such thing as my truth there's my experience my truth does not exist there is the truth and that is the word of the living God so again if, again, if I look to you to affirm me from the outside if I'm looking for you to say hey you did a really good job if I continually look for that I'm not talking about not encouraging people you know you just walk around I'm not encouraging everybody ever again that's not the case either, right? It's great to say to people, hey, you did an awesome job. The way that the Lord just used you, man, it's so good. Please continue to do that, right? You're not going, I'm not affirming my wife anymore. I'm not complimenting her. Just forget that. Let the Lord tell you. That's, that's not right either. So the balance to this is, is, yeah, there is the gift of encouragement. And the Bible even tells us, as we see the day approaching, let us gather, but encourage one another. That's what we do. Keep going. You're doing a great job. Hang in there. Stay strong. Keep fighting. Keep standing. Keep believing. That's good. But if you're looking forward to the place of it becomes your identity, I need you to affirm me and my calling. At some point, I will get offended because you didn't tell me how good I was. And do you know what the problem really is about offense? Offense is selfish. Because it's really caring more about this is what they, what they said. This is how it made me feel. And so that's how you're living. This is how it made me feel, the way that they spoke to me. It's a dangerous, dangerous game. Now, (laughs) we're having fun this morning, hey? Should we just sing? Is that maybe better if we just sing a little bit? Okay, okay. look at this. In Luke's account of the same parable, Luke chapter 8, verse 6, this is what Jesus said. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And again, that's one of the things that I was just describing about from the outside is, water me. Tell me how good I am. Like my posts. Like me for what I do. Come on, I need the affirmation. Water me, water me, water me. Come on, say with me. Water me, water me. That's what he says is that's what a shallow person is, is they're looking from the external for somebody to water them on the outside. Water me. I need affirmation. Somebody please, somebody please tell me how good I am. And the problem with all that is you will live an offended lifestyle because nobody's going to just come out and just keep telling you every day. It's the Lord's job. Now let's get to this. Let's, okay, here we go. Let's get into that. So again, let's look back in all this. What's wrong in this heart? It's shallow. There is no moisture in this. Jeremiah chapter 17. Let's look at this now. With all this in mind, read Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5 through Let's read these verses together. It says, thus says the Lord. So who's speaking? The Lord is speaking. He says, cursed. Say with me. Cursed Cursed. is the man who trusts and relies on mankind, making weak, faulty human flesh his what? His strength, and whose mind and his heart turn away from the Lord. Verse 6. He will be like a shrub in a parched desert and shall not see prosperity when it comes, but shall live in a what? What kind of soil are we talking about? Jesus is talking about Matthew chapter 13? A rocky soil. He shall live in rocky places in the wilderness in an uninhabited land. So what's he doing? He's looking at a Christian now who's turned his heart from the Lord and is looking from the external. Now just picture this little plant on rocky soil looking, water me, water me. Come on, tell, tell me, tell me. Tell me how good I am. Come on, tell me. I'm just keep doing this because there's a fan as well. Come on. Come on, talk to me. How good am I? How good am I? Look what I can do. Look what I did. Like it, like it. That affirmation from the outside. And Jesus, or God says, cursed is the man who looks to mere men as their strength or as their affirmation continually coming in. Who's looking from moisture from the outside. He's constantly looking, somebody rain on me. Now look at this, verse 7. Blessed. Everybody say blessed. blessed. You want to be blessed or cursed? Blessed. Come on, say it with be Blessed. He says, blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. Verse 8. For he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads his... Oh, come on, y'all. What was the problem with this person? He's got no root. He's got no root. He's looking for the external. He's looking for nourishment from the outside. No, 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 no. We are going to plant ourselves. We put our trust in him. What we're doing is we're planting ourselves and our roots go down by the river. The tree has a secret. What's the tree's secret? His roots are going into an unknown pond that you don't even see. This reservoir. And he continually, look what it says. And he will not fear when the... Heat's coming, Jesus. said, Heat's coming. The the problems are going to come. The persecution's going to come. He will not fear when the problems, when the persecution comes. Why? Because he's got his roots planted by the river. I got a secret place, and it's right over here. He says this. Its leaves will be green and, oh, come on, y'all. Did you hear that? Leaves will be green and, I think that's my wife's, like, unfavorite word. If that's a... Moist like speaking moistly and moisture and just moist. <laughs> kind of a gross word. But in this case, I want to be moist. Anybody want to be moist? I'm feeling a little moist right now, actually. Want to be moist. And how do you get that? I have a secret place that I keep my roots in. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Look at this. And it will not be anxious or concerned. In a year of drought, he will never stop bearing fruit. Why? I'm planted. I'm planted. Not water me. Water me because people will fail you. I'll fail you. But the Lord, he will not. Look at this. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. says, what delight comes to the one who follows God's ways. He won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. Look at verse 2. His pleasure and his passion is what? Is remaining true to the word of I am. He says this meditating day and night in the true revelation of light. Verse 3. He will be. Again, notice thinking or meditating precedes being. My focus is on this. This is what I'm thinking on. I'm meditating on this, on how good God is, what his words is, his promises, who I am in Christ. He says he will be standing firm. Come on, say it with me, firm. firm. Oh, but the government's gonna do this. Firm. firm. They're gonna mandate these. Firm. Come on, y'all. We gotta say this together. Firm. firm. This is what impacts here for. We are a firm. Church, firmly planted, not just headstrong, I'm not talking about that, but we are firmly secure in who our God is. We're not shaken by what they do out there. If they just say, hey, all these crazy rules, they're going to throw them at us, we still stand firm. Why? Flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply, what? Rooted. Come on, say me, roots. Getting rooted. Roots go down deep in his bliss, bearing fruit in every season of life. That just shows me that it does not matter what the external does. It does not matter at all. I'm not dependent on what they do or what they don't do. I will flourish no matter what. Why? Because I'm rooted. I got some roots to me. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, and ever prosperous. Now, if I'm supposed to have roots, this is what the Bible says, you're supposed to be rooted. Where do I get rooted in? Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. That's true. But more specifically, what do I root myself in? When the pressure and the heat comes, when the troubles come, when the chirping comes, when people say or people do, bad things come my way, what am I supposed to be rooted in? And here is what we're going to find out. What God believes to be a deep person. You don't have to be all theological, and I've been to seminary school for 58 years, and I'm just a brain. That's the problem. We said that before. We got believers that are 3,000 scriptures overweight. (laughs) They can quote, they can say, they can speak, they can do, and their life doesn't change at all. not supposed to just be hearers of this word. We're supposed to be doers of it. So if I'm supposed to be rooted in something, what am I going to root myself in? Ephesians chapter 3, look at here for a sec, verse 16. Ephesians 3.16, it says this, May he grant you out of the rich treasuries of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit, where? In the inner man. So again, where is the strength coming from? Is it coming from the external? Is it coming from outside somewhere? No, it's coming from the inside. Where do you get your strength from? Where do you draw your strength from? It's not from the outside. It's not people just affirming you or people telling you something or, hey, I just, I just felt really good today, so therefore I'm good. You have to draw the strength from where you're rooted and where you're grounded in. It's an inside thing. Yeah. How, can, how come that person, man, they're really strong. Well, what is it about them? It's an unknown strength, unseen strength, not unknown, sorry, unseen strength. Something that's happening on the inside of this person. And now we're going to find out what it is. This is again what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul prayed for the church. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And may you having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love. What makes somebody a deep person? No matter what the problem, no matter what the trial is. He loves me. This is what they mandated. He loves me. This is what they said about me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And that right there, God goes, ooh, there's a deep guy right there who's planted. And what happens? You get stronger and stronger on the inside. The pressure, the heat comes. That sun is shining down on you, trying to take the word, trying to put the pressure on you from the outside to get you to give it up, to get you to separate from it. I refuse because you love me. You love me, you love me, you love me. And that right there is what holds you and I steady. In this crazy, nuts world, literally, they're nuts. The Bible actually calls them insane. They're insane. God allowed them just to go. Romans chapter 1 says that he just allowed them to go and depart from normal thinking where insanity takes over. What happens now? You and I have got to become rooted in something because the world's going to talk. We're in this fight, and here's the thing. We're not here just to hold on and hopefully just get through this. That is not our call. Come on, y'all. We have to have a different mindset here. Our call is not just to survive this until Jesus comes. You and I are here on a mission, on an assignment from heaven to get the job done. And with that comes the grace and the ability to do so. We keep preaching the message of the gospel. When they hate it, when they tell us to shut up, when they try to lock everything out, guess what we do? Preach. Tell them about Jesus. Well, that's what they say about you. Tell them about his love. Oh, this is is what they said about you. They're trying to get you, you know, kicked out of your job. Tell them about the love of God. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. How could Jesus keep doing what he's doing? How could even on the cross that he could hang there and just say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was rooted and grounded in how much the Father loved him. What's going to sustain you and I through the junk that you and I will face? It's on its way. Why? Because the enemy, his time is very short. He knows that. Jesus is coming to get us back very soon. And so what do we got to do? Stay rooted, hold our ground, and that's how we advance. Sometimes we think, well, we have to just keep pushing things forward. Yeah, but also part of winning is just keep standing. As long as I don't quit, I win. All right, look at this. Romans chapter 8. Let's close with this. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. Oh, this is the anchor for my life. He loves me. Well, Joel, this is what they said about you. He loves me. Yeah, but didn't you hear? He loves me. Yeah, but they're going to shut you down. He loves me. But they don't like you. He loves me. I'd rather have his affirmation than your like. (laughs) We have to become so free. Listen, church, this is what we're getting to. We have to become so free of people that we can actually be a blessing to them. (laughs) I'm talking to that to myself. This is a big learning curve for me. Because there's a lot of people that just all of a sudden found out that they don't really like me. What? How could? My mama said that everybody should like me. I'm a nice guy. I thought it was. But again, it's not because of me. It's because of the one who sent you. They hate him, so they're going to hate you. (laughs) So it's his fault. (laughs) All right, look at this. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, so what does all of this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me who then could ever stand against us? What's, what's, let's answer that. Who could stand against us? <laughs> I want you to think of, you know, somebody right now that you may not be particularly in a good place with. And just kind of look at it and just start laughing at it for a second. Just go, hmm, if they're coming after me, if they're trying to take away things from me, if they're trying to bring harm, if I look at this, who, what could they ever do to me? What's the answer? Listen, you can actually start laughing at some of the attacks that come your way. Man, you nuts. No, I'm anchored. I'm rooted. I know He loves me. <laughs> That's why I'm having fun. That's why I'm joyful is because He loves me. Look at verse 32. For God has proved His own love by giving us His greatest treasure, the gift of His Son. And since God freely offered Him up as a sacrifice for all, He certainly won't withhold from us anything that he has to give. If he gave you Jesus, he'd give you anything. Why? He loves me. Come on, say it with me. He loves me. Come on, one more time. He loves me. Where am I rooted? He loves me. Didn't they hear what they said about you? He loves me. I get my eyes fixed on the reality. He loves me. Look at this, 33. 33. It says, Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be His. Let's answer that. Who would dare accuse us? If God's not... Listen, God's not accusing us. Who, will, who can possibly have the right to accuse us? Do you remember in John chapter 8, I believe it was, the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? And they threw her in front of Jesus? Probably naked. Probably they're stranded. And what did happen? Master, it says in the book, or, you know, master, teacher... In the book of the law, and Moses' teachings, they said if anybody caught in that, they should be stoned to death. What do you say? What did Jesus do? He says he was without sin, cast the first stone. The only one that was qualified, the only one that was able or had the honor to actually throw this stone and kill this sin, was him. And what did he do? I find no fault in you. So right here, if the, who then would dare accuse those whom God has chosen to be in His love? No one. God himself is the judge who has issued the final verdict over them saying? Oh, come on, y'all. you got to say this over yourself. How does God see you? Not guilty. (sighs) Verse 34. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one. For he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So, how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? He's not. He loves me. Verse 35 Who then could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in this universe, has the power to diminish his love towards us. Now look at these. Troubles. What was the problem again with this other individual, the, the rocky soil? No root in them. Why did they last for only a little while? Because of the problems, the trials, the persecutions that came their way, and they got offended and fell away. Well, he's saying here, nothing in the universe. Troubles, no pressures, and problems are unable to come between me and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent in to hinder omnipotent love. What's my root? I'm loved. Verse 36, even though it is written all day long, we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, yet even in the midst of all these things, all these troubles, all these persecutions... We, come on y'all, we got to see this. This is the word of God. We triumph over them all. Not 99% of them, not 50% of them, all. Everything that's said against us, everything that comes against us, we overcome over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. I like other translations that say he has made us to be more than conquerors through him who loved me. This is not a good confession. I'm more than a conqueror. It's incomplete. I'm more than a conqueror. That's not a good confession. Finish it. I'm more than a conqueror through him. Why? Because he loves me. Because he loves me. That's my root. How am I going to get over this situation? How am I going to overcome the obstacles, the problems, the trials that come my way? He loves me. I'm rooted in that and therefore he causes me to elevate. Not just go through things and barely getting by. To overcome means you are over, go over. Land on the other side, untouched. Untouched. Woo, that's delicious. Come on now, that's delicious. That's God's word for us. He says this to be more than conquerors in his demonstrated love for our glorious victory over everything. Verse 38. So now, impact. We live with this confidence. What's our confidence? That there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us. From God's love. I'm convinced. He you say it with me? I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I'm convincing myself of this. I'm not trying to say it because is true. Jamie always says that. I love that she says that. We're not saying this because we're trying to make this happen. We're saying it because it's true. I'm convinced of this, that his love will triumph even over death. What's the worst thing that could happen in all of this? And even death is not even a bad thing. Last breath. Guess what? Your next breath is there. Ah! (laughs) Jesus tasted death for us. So listen, death is like, bring it on. Kill me. Guess what? I go there. I get to meet Jesus today? Thank you. The worst thing in the world is to die without him. That's the worst thing in the world. So what do we do? we got to get the job done. And our root is this. I'm convinced I'm loved by God. Okay, He says, I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death. Life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. Why is this so important to talk about his love? Because no matter what comes our way, a lot of times you think, well, I, maybe, maybe I'm getting... Maybe God's doing this to try to teach me something. No, no, no. Trials and persecutions are there to separate you from the word that you've received. Don't look at the trial as a blessing in the sense God is giving this to me to teach me something. No, God doesn't need a trial to teach you. He gave you the spirit of God to teach you. These trials are to bring harm. But God says, let's flip the flow. Look at it a little differently now. Let's see this trial as an opportunity to demonstrate the victory that Jesus has over death. And let him use your body. Let him use your soul. Let him use your life so that you are now an overcomer in every area of life. Man. Let's say this. Verse 39. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which he lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. When I know that I am loved by God, I cannot be offended. So now, again, it's not to say, you know, offense is going to come. People are going to say things are going to take place. And, again, it's not that you have, don't, I'm just, I'm not going to feel anything. No, you may have to work through some of the emotion on it. Some things, some things actually hurt. I've been hurt. And that's fine acknowledging that. It's fine. you got to work through some of those things. Don't just hold on. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm loved by God. And meanwhile, you're just a mess at home. That's not what we're talking about. It's no. You know what? That actually, that that impacted me. It hurt me in a way. But you know what? It's not going to be just leave this open wound. God loves me. And that love that he has for me causes me now to soar and become an overcomer. Where this thing, it's not defining me. This thing is not causing me to think or act a certain way. His love for me now is what defines me and causes me to move, causes me to advance. It's his love, not what's done. Make sense? Okay, let's just pray over this. Father, we thank you. Your word is alive. Your word is active. You are watching over your word to perform it in our lives. So, Father, this morning, I thank you so much in the name of Jesus over every person in this room, everyone watching online this morning. Father, we just release the peace of God that passes understanding. We release the joy of the Lord over them, in them, through them. Joy in their homes where the enemy tried to bring attack, try to bring division, try to bring hard hardness or just this hard persecution to throw them off track right now. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over these homes, over these families, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. You want to say something? Yeah.
1: I just had it on my heart, just as we're closing here, along the last lines of what Pastor Joel was saying, that there are things that that have come in, especially during this season, and have hurt your hearts. And it really is that fine line that you can choose to go into offense, or you can choose to bring that hurt to the Lord, and you can say, Lord, show me how to walk out healing in my heart. Mm -hmm. Show me how not to step over into offense. And all it is really is bringing our hearts to Him. And I gotta tell you, He walks us through. You know, there was a time in my life where I said, Lord, I need to heal from this um, occurrence. I want you to show me step by step. And so he'd say, Now I want you to talk to this person. Now I want you to pray over here. Now I want you to do this. It was a process to heal my heart. But my prayer was, Lord, I don't want to get over into offense. So here's my heart. And I got to say, He's so gentle. If you've never done that before and said, Lord, I'm going to trust you with these hurts in my heart, He is so gentle. He is our shepherd to guide, to, feel, to, to feed us, to say, hey, come over here. And he refreshes and restores our hearts and our souls. And so I just want to speak healing over your hearts. If that's you, it might not be instantaneous like Pastor Joel said, okay, well, I love my God, but I'm hurting inside. It might be a process, and that is one reason why we run a program like Freedom Session, because sometimes it's it's quite a journey. Or it might be something you do at home with you and your spouse or you and a close friend. But I just want to speak healing over mm-hmm. hearts. Is that okay yeah, this morning? Yep. So if that's you, I just want you to raise your hands wherever you're at. Every eye closed right now. Let's just have this as a, as a private time between you and the Lord. Father, you see hearts this morning. And Lord, hearts that have carried hurts or have been hurt. I just speak your healing Power over them. The the healing power of God's love is flowing into hearts right now. It's filling gaps. It's filling scars. It's filling up places where there's been gouges. The love of God is flowing into your heart right now. I see it. I I see it. So take that. If that's you, take that. Say, I believe that God's love is healing my heart. And, Lord, I just pray for wisdom and direction over those who want to walk you, through hurts healthily. Lord, if, if someone is supposed to go to Freedom Session this year, I just I just ask you, speak to them. Let them know. Lead them on their healing journey. We believe that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, thank you,
0: Lord. Thank you, Lord. No, can just, just stay there for a second. Can we just lift our hands just to him for a moment? I don't want to rush this. And I don't want you to think, oh... Don't worry about awkwardness. Who cares about that? This, this is a moment just to be with the Lord on the inside. Father, if there's anything in us as a church family that has blocked you from getting access to our hearts, Lord, we just release that to you. Even as a church family, y'all, if there's even anything between us in this church, even in this room, I just cast that off. That hurt, that pain, I just, I release that. We have no ill will in this family. We can't afford it. We find no fault in anyone in this room. We just release that, Lord. We thank you for it. Your goodness, your presence, your love just not only overcomes and overwhelms us, but it fills the gaps. It fills those hard places where just something was said or something was done, whether knowingly or unknowingly. We just release that to you now, sir. And we thank you. Your love is more than enough to see us through in victory. Ah, Light and easy. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. I want you just to think on those words. His burden is light and His yoke is easy. If something's going on and it's hard and it's just rough and tough, that's not Him. He's light and easy. Thank you, Lord. We just received that this morning. You're so kind, Lord. You're so kind. We freely forgive because you forgave us. Lord, you said in your word, you have even cast as far as the east is from the west. Our sin is so far removed, it's not even existing anymore. So, Father, that same grace that you've demonstrated towards us, we make room for one another. We make allowances for one another. Why? Because we're in this body. We're in this flesh. We're gonna say, do stupid things. So we just right now. I just want you to just do that as an act of faith. That I'm gonna be offense free. Just I want you on the. Just make that a determination. I refuse to be offended. If somebody in this church family says something to me, they, they may not even know your situation. Let it go. They don't mean it. And if they did mean it, ask them about it. <laughs> right? Fix it. Just get it sorted. Just get it fixed. Don't let it fester. Don't let it linger because the enemy loves the dark places.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Yeah, that's, I'm good. Good. Amen. good. Amen. Amen. Y'all good? Awesome. What a good God we serve, hey? Awesome. Amen. Amen, Julian.